1: Hello and welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy. It is February 3rd, 2023. I'm your host, Fred Moreland. Uh, There is no Tyler Fortness today, because he is off footballing, and I pronounced his last name wrong, Fortness. I'm a professional. Uh, He is at the Senior Bowl, where he can watch college football players play college football against each other, then possibly play in the NFL. Fascinating. Let's look at uh, Tyler's Twitter feed at the Real Forno. I'm just going to go over this. Uh, he's got a big-ass spreadsheet. All these guys he's scouted. He's done the scouting. This guy knows his football. He's got 24 players that he's read in these previews for. Ki- Caillou Blue Kelly. A cornerback from Stanford. So only number 19. You can learn about Quentin Johnston. Or Jordan Addison. Those two names I actually know. Joey Porter Jr. Jesus Christ, I'm old. As the cat does a run-in. Wondering why I'm yelling about Joey Porter Jr. Here in my office alone. Son of Joey Porter, who I remember... When I actually cared about football. That's right. Squeakers knows what's up. What else is Tyler? Tyler's burying Iowa cornerback Riley Moss. All the excitement. Got some... some, Okay, honestly, he's got a picture of some barbecue that looks really awesome, and I wish I had that. That would be great. So yeah, no Tyler this week. And he's not... God bless. The cat is not happy with Tyler. If this cat had a hiring and firing power, he might be in trouble. But we're going to go through the past week of uh, the good, the bad, and the hungry. On this, the number one wrestling podcast in Turkey. I have been told by the numbers... So to all the people in Turkey that love the show, and apparently maybe Minnesota Vikings fans, given both Tyler and my positions on the team. One, I'm so sorry, please choose another team to cheer for for your own mental well-being. Uh, and two, welcome aboard. So we got a lot to discuss this week. Got some news, got some show results. Unfortunately, I will not be able to give you information on J Spears, who maybe plays for Michigan State? Is that Michigan State or San Jose State? I don't even know, man. But he's talking about Aubrey Miller Jr. Look, if you care about American football, uh, college football, pro football, I'm going to put over Tyler here, again, at the Real Forno. He writes for the Vikings Wire. Uh, he's got a the real forno show on Mondays at 8 PM Central. It's on the Climb the Pocket YouTube channel. Look at all these plugs I'm giving him. He's not even around to like acknowledge this. Maybe I should steal the Roman Reigns gimmick the next time he's on and just demand he acknowledge me. Hold my pointer finger up in the air as my cat screams in the background. My eventually uh my Sami Zayn should turn heel on me. Her face, I guess, really. Uh, Let's start with the news. So I guess the biggest news story of the week is the announcement that AEW will be hosting house shows in the near future, starting in March, referring to them as the House Rules Series. Uh, The first one is March 18th in Troy, Ohio, which is uh, just 20 miles, 19 miles north of Dayton, according to the Wikipedia uh, just so you know, uh, hopefully they'll go back in June because Troy is apparently home to an annual strawberry festival the first weekend in June. Good information for you. Tyler will tell you about cornerbacks, but I'll tell you about strawberries. and uh, You know, we'll see which one works out better for you. Uh, it's kind of interesting, though. Uh, March 18th in Troy, Ohio. They're advertising John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, Britt Baker, Darby Allen, and Orange Cassidy. So that's a pretty decent uh, list to start out with. Uh, one interesting note on this is that John Moxley is also billed in the main event, I believe on the 18th as well, of March, for OTT Scrapper Mania against Trent Seven. Uh, that show is going to be in Dublin National Stadium. So that's very interesting because I think they just announced that match about a not even a week ago, if I recall correctly. And OTT, of course, based in Ireland. Uh, They were doing very well pre-pandemic, pre-speaking out, and then uh, they got wrecked by all that. Uh, But they were still looking to do a pretty big show. I mean, look how big Dublin National Stadium is. Seating capacity 2,000. Listen, Ireland's bigger than that. Y'all got to... If you got a national stadium, you gotta fit more than two thousand people in there. This isn't Luxembourg. It's a Luxembourg. It's not Andorra. Does Turkey have a national stadium? Turkey National Stadium. It's at a Turk Olympic Stadium. Capacity 74,753. There you go. That's that's a national stadium right there. 2,000 people, Dublin. What are y'all doing? It's the only purpose-built boxing stadium in the world. What in the world? Crazy. But anyways, it's very interesting that Moxley is now double-booked. Apparently, uh, the double-booking coming from AEW. And of course, the show being in Dayton, which is relatively near Cincinnati, uh, that'll be a interesting call if they're going to change their mind on booking him for that, the hometown boy. It's only a little over an hour away from Cincy. Or if they're going to make him show up and then blow up uh, Scrapper Mania. Probably, I imagine he'll be, in, he'll be stateside that night rather than Ireland, but... Uh, it's kind of interesting to think about just AEW doing house shows. They've done exactly one in the past. Uh, I don't think that footage has ever come out either. Uh, that's a Kenny Omega match uh, in his prime that no one's seen outside of the people in that building, I believe. Uh, but yeah, uh, raises some very interesting questions. It's exactly how they're going to approach their house shows. Um first question is are they going to make money off of it and that's a uh, that's a good question because you know for a long time until post-pandemic when wwe got hotter and probably i'm assuming i haven't dived into the subject but uh probably jacked up the prices of their tickets they uh they weren't making money on house shows and to uh for aw to start doing house shows you know Not exactly at their peak of heat. I mean, I don't think the promotion is flailing around or anything, but I think it's doing pretty well right now. But, you know, it's not what it was back about a year ago, I'd say, before CM Punk suffered his first injury and then everything else. So, you know, will they be making money off these house shows? And I think that's really an interesting question, because what is the demand for this? And... Frankly, I think that AW is doing pretty well in the, you know in drawing attendances from what I've seen. Not every week, but uh, over the past month or two, it, numbers have gone up. Once they stopped running Chicago on seemingly an every other month basis, they, uh, they've been doing better. Uh, one interesting factor is they just ran Dayton this uh, past week. So they're going to, they just had this show, uh, Dynamite. They're taping for that in Dark Elevation, or Rampage, of course. In uh, Dayton, Ohio, their debut in the market. And in six weeks, they are going right back to that market for a house show. Um, and frankly, they've got to kind of work against what house shows are associated with in this country. And with WWE as the market leader, they've really set the standard for what a house show is, which is really not much. Uh, house shows in the U.S. used to, uh, have the potential of seeing something that matters, and then, uh, it got later in the 1980s, frankly. Um, for basically my entire lifetime as a fan, house shows have been very, within the grander scope of things, meaningless. No title changes, no meaningful angles, no footage from it showing up on TV, I can't remember the last time I just happened to be watching a WWE show and they even mentioned that they're running a local house show uh, anywhere in the country. Like, I don't even think they plug the dates on their national TV show, which is crazy to think about. Um, you know, that's free advertising right there and they don't even bother to spend the time to do it. So, but, you know, I am generally optimistic that AEW will do well with their house shows in terms of drawing for at least the first for the novelty period of it. But the real question, I think, is how are they going to use them? I've been calling for a long time now for AEW to use, to set up some kind of house show circuit so that their younger talent, you know, their top flights, their private parties, their Jade Cargills, so that they can get more experience in the ring. Uh, Jade Cargill, you know, that's uh, seems like a very hot topic of debate over the past few Weeks so she's continued her tbs title reign but she's 30 years old and she has had 52 professional wrestling matches in her career on tv or otherwise taped and that's not very much man i mean granted she started late and there's you know there i don't think there's any reason to expect that she will be you know leaving her athletic peak anytime soon But I do wonder where she would be at now if she just worked 50 additional matches. And I've always found it kind of interesting that you know these talents that are younger have never been sent off to indie shows on a regular basis or overseas. You know, that she didn't spend time doing a tour, if not with stardom, with Tokyo Joshi Pro or Seedling or Ice Ribbon or any of these other smaller Joshi promotions. And she's, you know... I actually was rather optimistic based off her performance this past Wednesday. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I know Joe Lanza on the flagship's uh, Patreon audio for the show review for Dynamite buried her pretty hard. Uh, And I am perfectly willing to say, I don't think this is exactly a steaming hot take, that she is very flawed as a performer. She is not perfect. I think what she does, she does very well, but I think she's deficient in several ways. And it's she's a very interesting character at this point in time of professional wrestling, given how important having good matches is. And the fact is, she rarely has good matches. Uh, I actually think her Red Velvet one was good, and I think that was more Jade Gargill than Red Velvet. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So is this? If this becomes a money losing, uh, you know, thing, if if these house shows do not draw enough money to even break even. Ooh, yeah, under the tutelage of Double J. Ha <laughs> ha ha! J-E-double F-J-A-double R-E-double T. Jeff Jarrett, yes, the ha- the head of the house show division of AW. Uh, I do question, you know, if these don't make money, are they going to keep doing them in six months or 12 months? And I don't know. I, frankly, given how much money Tony Khan has, and, you know, that... AW is doing relatively well financially, from all accounts. That they would benefit from investing money in their workers of the future. Uh, I've called in the past for them to specifically invest, say fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars in three to five athletes a year to try to train them up and hopefully find someone. You know, there's also the argument that. Paying to run house shows is basically equivalent to running a A baseball team, or a A, or whatever level you prefer, but to help develop your prospects for the future. And I think that this is something that Tony Khan has uh, left underdeveloped, to be frank. And, you know, you can point to dark and dark elevation, but, for, you know... Most of those matches are under five minutes, and I don't think you're learning how to work a main event match by doing a bunch of three-minute squashes. That just doesn't make any sense to me as a observer. I don't claim to be a expert of professional wrestling training or development or anything, but it just seems to me like you'd want your future main eventers to be working main event-style matches. But that leads into a further question with the house shows, which is, are, are consumers going to accept buying tickets to an AEW house show and showing up and seeing a main event of, I don't know, Top Flight versus The Work Horseman. Now that'd be a damn good match. I think they just did a little bit of, I think they just did a match on uh, Dark Elevation when they taped in Lexington. But I also don't think that's exactly a big time draw. All due respect to the four workers there, that'd be a pretty good indie show draw. But if you put AEW on the label, people are expecting a different level of uh, TV star. So, how does that work out in the long term? I honestly don't know. But that's an interesting story to keep an eye on. Uh speaking of interesting stories to keep an eye on, look at that smooth segue. Our our uh I can't even say our own, uh the flagship's own, Joe Lanza. Of Tejas. Reported. uh, Last night. On the AEW Dynamite. That they. Review that he does. That Ring of Honor will be doing TV tapings. On February 25th and 26th. Uh, I don't know that there's been a location announced or anything. Uh, It's very interesting that it's less than a month away. And I don't think tickets are on sale. Let me double check myself there. Nope, doesn't look like it. So, you know, are they going to be able to draw people? Are they going to be able to... Where will this be held? You know, is it going to be in Daily's Place? Or are they going to set up somewhere else? I don't know. I, I, I'm intrigued by what Ring of Honor will be. But, you know, we don't even have a formal announcement of it. And we were promised something, quote, after Tokyo Dome. Which led to a lot of speculation with the concurrent announcement that New Japan Strong would be restructured. That, you know, the American New Japan talents and the Young Lions uh, that are based over here would be working with Ring of Honor. Still don't know if that's the case. So here we are, uh, just wondering what's going to happen. Hopefully we'll get some more information the next week. Uh, I'm assuming that it'll start in Daly's place. That just makes a lot of sense. Uh, But we'll see. Just something to keep an eye on. Uh, Other Ring of Honor news, sadly, the funeral for Jay Briscoe. Very interesting, I think, that, uh, and it says a lot about what Jay Briscoe was as a person. That it was reported by Dave Meltzer in the Observer Newsletter that 1,650 people were at the funeral home in person. And that's a ridiculous number. Like, that's a, that's a big number. And I don't want to go into, like, drawing houses at your funeral. But it says a whole lot when you live in a town of 3,000 people and more than half the population shows up to your funeral. And there were more. There were um, more than 200 people, apparently, at the nearby school where they set up a closed-circuit uh, you know, airing of the funeral. Um, I've heard that Mark Briscoe gave a uh, wonderful speech there. Uh, I think Caprice Coleman also contributed. Uh, I haven't had, frankly, the... um, I don't think I've been in the right emotional space to watch it, to be frank. Uh, That's just... It's hard, man. Um, Meltzer listed... 49 people from wrestling whose names you would probably recognize if you were a Ring of Honor fan over the past decade, 15 years, of uh, just wrestlers that were there in honor of Jay. Uh, I you know, Obviously, this story's been out all week, I think, but Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn reportedly flew there uh, directly after the conclusion of the Royal Rumble last Saturday. Uh, flying from... Uh, What was the location of the Royal Rumble this year? I've completely blanked. Uh, San Antonio. You can tell I really didn't watch it yet. Uh, but going from San Antonio to Laurel, Del- Delaware is probably not the easiest uh, trip to take. But Yeah, thoughts all with Briscoe's family. Apparently, uh, Britt Jay's two daughters that were in the car with him or at the truck, I should say, uh, we're at the funeral in wheelchairs. I hope they continue to recover. Uh, and just, you know, nothing but the most positive thoughts and prayers for the Briscoe family. Uh, other news, uh, Maria Canellis announced on her Instagram that she will be having thyroid surgery. Apparently she's been having issues with her thyroid going back uh, three years. Uh, but, you know, with the pandemic, and pandemic really limited how easy it was to get surgery done, Uh, And also all the changes with her and her husband's employment status with WWE releasing them and then Ring of Honor not existing for a while. Uh, But hopefully she'll be able to get the treatment she needs and be doing better uh, quite soon. Uh, Kenny Omega got his visa renewed. Apparently that was an issue directly after the... uh, Or even leading into, really, the uh, 7... Game 7 of the Young Bucks Death Triangle match series. Uh, He is back in the States, obviously. He appeared on this past Wednesday's Dynamite to do a pre-tape promo, uh, building up something on Rampage. The Elite will be on Rampage tonight. And so, uh, you know, that's good news. You get Kenny Omega back, uh, hopefully, as a regular moving forward. Just took a few weeks off there getting that straightened out. It's very interesting that the uh, visa issues seem to be impacted so much uh, over the past five to ten years. It doesn't seem like that was an issue previously. Uh, I don't know what's changed, uh, you know, if that was a symptom of changes to American immigration policy or what. But it just does seem that uh, international talent working in the U.S. are uh, having a harder time getting visas renewed. I'm just curious, just thinking out loud about uh, what may have caused that to happen. But there you are. There was a uh, article in Bloomberg this week about AEW. The headline of that article doesn't mention AEW. It mentions WWE, but I'll get to that in a second. Uh, two interesting notes. Uh, three, actually, from that article. One According to it, AEW is reportedly considering starting a streaming service with Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, which would, of course, further tighten the bonds between the two companies. And with their uh, TV negotiations coming up in the not-too-terribly-distant future, that's something to keep an eye on if they get closer to Warner Brothers or not. And also, uh, I believe that the article had a quote from an unnamed source. Uh, Some people are speculating it's Tony Khan, but hey, who knows? That AEW had their best revenue year to date in 2022. Uh, Most interesting is that uh, Brian Danielson said that in early 2020, Vince McMahon called him and asked him, do you see anything that AEW is doing better than us? So, Danielson watched a bunch of AEW programming, according to this article, and said that he found that AEW committed more time to and placed more value on the craft of, quote, fighting in the ring. <laughs> That's how Bloomberg put it. Uh, WWE shows were often marked by long segments of characters on the microphone in short matches, and Danielson said he told McMahon, it feels like you're watching a wrestling show without any wrestling. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's uh, why AEW was able to position themselves as an alternative. And successfully so. Also, I have to say, you need to find this article, even if you're not at all interested in the business side of AEW, just because it features one of the absolute worst pieces of art I have ever seen. It looks like they photoshopped Tony Khan's face not very well, Onto the body of possibly the Ultimate Warrior, I'm not sure. But some extremely muscled man that looks nothing like Tony Khan, with Tony Khan's face not very well put on there. It looks like a goddamn nightmare. (laughs) Other news, uh, Kota Ubushi is a free agent, and Tony Khan said he'd have to consider talking with him. We'll see if that goes anywhere or not. Uh, Bushi is announced uh, with the expiry of his New Japan contract as working the March 30th Josh Barnett Bloodsport show against Mike Bailey, which should be a crazy match. And also on the March 31st, Joey Janela spring break with no opponent announced yet. Uh, I don't know. is in a really interesting position uh, with his career. It feels like he's... Definitely burn his bridge with New Japan, obviously, with his contract expiring. I don't know if, uh, you know, if he's really eager to look for work anywhere else in Japan. I mean, the man is in his 40s, too. He's, uh, he's 40, going to turn 41 later this year. Looks much younger than that, but he's been doing this a long time, and, uh, yeah, that'll be a story to watch, um... You know, WWE can make a play for him, of course. Uh, they really do like to grab the pre-existing big names and then pushing them through NXT and claiming credit for developing them. Even though, again, you know, he is in his 40s and has been doing this for decades at this point, but that's what they do. Uh, AW, of course, is, or Ring of Honor is an intriguing choice, but, you know, the possibility of Noah, possibility of splitting time between smaller groups, possibility of launching his triangle-shaped ring promotion he's talked about before. Who knows? Uh, And finally, Paul Walterhausen was on James Corden. They talked about the Jeff Jarrett, Jay Lethal, Orange Cassidy angle with him that he was involved with and him getting a uh, guitar slammed over his head to celebrate his big win of the Golden Globe. Ratings chat real quick. Uh, last Friday's Rampage was at 458,000 viewers with a 0.14, 18 to 49 key demo. Uh, Rampage ratings are... They're flagging, man. they uh, It's going to take a long time for them to work that back up. I don't really know if they are doing the right shows for that. Um, you know, you look at... Uh, what was the an, what's announced for this week on Rampage? You got a squash match for Soraya and Tony Storm. You got the Elite Wrestling: Ethan Page, Isaiah Casty, and Matt Hardy. Uh, that's half a really good match, and but it's also just obviously going to be an easy win for them, relatively speaking, and they'll sell and everything. But you know, it's not really in doubt. Uh, Christopher Daniels versus Roosh and Brian Pillman Jr. versus Swerve Strickland, both of which are again clear. Matches with clear winners. Um, I think that the booking for Rampage has fallen off again. Uh, It lasted like three weeks where they really felt like major shows. And now we're back to not major shows. And I don't know. Rampage is just in this really weird position creatively where they, it's basically uh, work rate WCW Thunder without all the nonsense. And, you know, I just don't know that it does relatively well in the ratings. You know, at that time slot, a .14 is a pretty good number. I think it was third in the time slot last week. But I don't know that that's really going to get you much money on the open market. Dynamite, on the other hand, was the number two show on the night this past Wednesday, with overall 901000 of course, down about 100000 from the... Jay Briscoe tribute show the week before, but 0.31 in the key demo, 18-49. And it was only behind one NBA game on ESPN. I actually beat an NBA game, but apparently that was an awful blowout. That was decided very quickly, so... Don't know how much to read into that, but I, in my opinion is that as long as Dynamite's in the top three or close to it most weeks, it's doing quite good. I think that any sh- any channel would be happy with that and I think any proclamations that AW is not going to get good money on their next TV deal uh, I think that's very pessimistic I think it, they're going to get paid uh, the real question is like just how much they're going to get paid are they going to get about how much they're getting now which honestly you'd have to look at that as a loss that would not be a good move or not be good for AW. Uh but you know if they get... I mean, you know, if they double that, that'd be fantastic for them. So, just a new story to watch for the future. It's going to be a long time before that's all figured out. Now it's time to talk about the last couple shows. Uh, I'm going to start with Rampage last week. Now, I did not take notes because I was actually in the arena for that, as mentioned last week. Um, this show was uh, pretty damn good, I thought. I will note that I was very tired by the end of it. But there was a... uh, It opened with Hangman Page defeating Wheeler Yuta, which I recall being a great match. Uh, I think in the building I went like four and... Let me find my notebook. By which I mean spreadsheet. Yeah, uh, four and a quarter stars uh, that week. Uh, I thought that was a damn good match. Uh, just beat the hell out of it. They worked really well together. That was a good match. Uh, after that, they had um, what was basically a house show comedy big card match with the best friends facing Jay Lee, Fulwell, Jeff Jarrett, and Satnam Singh. Uh, and the Heels won that one. Uh, it should be noted that it was the best friends and Dan Housen in the team with Orange Cassie at ringside. Uh, just some fun, goofy stuff. Nothing wrong with it, but ha- hardly a highlight match. Powerhouse Hobbs squashed Tony Mudd. That Tony was definitely in the mud in about a minute. I gotta say, the one thing I have from Powerhouse Hobbs is they gotta drop this book of Hobbs, like literal book gimmick, ASAP. I hope he never shows up on TV with it again. It is, it took what it was a cool idea and made it extremely dorky. It felt very like 1995 WWF. Like he'd be carrying the book of Hobbs out as he went to face Sparky Plug. And maybe right after, you get to see a Smoking Guns tag team match. Just not... It's not modern. It feels very dated. And it's not good. So just hopefully someone will speak up and change that. Now, I will note that I was, you know... I, I was old. I wanted to go to bed. I wanted to drink my Oval Team. Uh, get my nightcap on. Get my fuzzy slippers. And uh, shuttle off to bed. When Emmy Sakura and Jamie Hayter had their match. But they beat the hell out of each other. And I need to rewatch this on TV. Uh, this was... I mean, this was just great. Because uh, they just laid into each other. Sakura has been underused in AEW. She has moved away from the Freddie Mercury gimmick. Which I think was well overdue. Uh, I just didn't work. And I get why... With that gimmick, she wasn't featured much, but I'm not calling her for her to be the top of the division, but she is a good enough worker where you can have her in matches losing or even being a decent threat on occasion. Just a decent uh, mid-card figure for that division. Uh, I'd put her above like Penelope Ford and the Bunny in terms of entering talent. No, Not a slight on those two. I think they've done rather well as the uh, centerpieces of the women's deathmatch division. Uh, but yeah, I, this match was great, uh, just, the strikes were just really stiff. I went three and a quarter in the building, but again, very sleepy. Fred wanted bed. Fred, uh, could not go to bed because Fred was in arena. But yeah, that was a damn good show. Uh, but, you know, as we saw in the ratings, it wasn't a tremendous draw. Um... And that's just because you had Adam Page as the one big name on there and Orange Cassidy wasn't even wrestling. And then after that, I mean, just objectively, I guess you would say Jimmy Hader was the second biggest star in the ring. Uh, and she was facing, uh, I mean, someone that's barely been on TV. You know, again, I like Emi Sakura. Uh, I'm an Emi Sakura pro. Uh, I, I enjoy her work. and But if you just go by... You know, the past... Let's see how many times she's been on TV. She did, that was her first Rampage match. And type in Dynamite of the Old Cage match. She had four matches on TV. Uh, all in 2019. And she got shuffled off the uh, TV roster, you know, between COVID and just, uh, I guess, Tony Khan not liking her that much. But I think she's got something to offer, and hopefully we'll see a little more of her going forward. That was a good show. Uh, Next, I'm going to shift over to the Jay Briscoe Ring of Honor show they did and put on YouTube. Uh, I did not review the old Ring of Honor matches, just in pursuit of time, as we all are on this planet only for a limited amount of time uh just some quick notes on the matches if you haven't watched this honestly the best thing on the whole thing are all the sit down interviews and promos that people did about jay briscoe they're all worth time they're all really touching Uh, and i think they all really speak to what kind of a person jay briscoe was we've been talking about this for two weeks now at least uh time is a construct um but yeah i mean jay briscoe every you know This point has been made over and over, but it's worth repeating. When people die, uh, usually on social media, you know, they're not someone you're particularly close to or whatever, you know, that person will put out just a quick, oh, I'm so sorry to hear about the passing of da-da-da, thoughts and prayers with the family. And you didn't get that with Jay Briscoe. You got a lot of really deep, thoughtful Statements about what Jay Briscoe meant to all these different people in professional wrestling, and this show, I thought the best part of this uh, celebration of his life that they did with the Ring of Honor branding, is you got all these lovely little sit downs with uh, the you know people talking about him, you know, and just so many people from all these different you know aspects of life. You've got honestly the highlight I think was Austin Gunn. Uh, He told a great story about how uh, his first show at Ring of Honor, Jay Briscoe got a huge cut on his back and the paramedics were off the clock. They were done. So Austin Gunn Butterfly stitched him for two hours in the locker room. Um, It was a great story. But, I mean, Ryan Nemeth talked about him. Stokely Hathaway, B.J. Whitmer, Zane Decker, who was a producer with AEW, I've never heard of before, but he... He gave a really nice uh, testimonial as well. Um, Prince Donna, Claudio Castanoli, Eddie Kingston, Christopher Daniels, Adam Cole, Matt Hardy, and Samoa Joe. I think that's all of them. And then Adam Cole also did a live promo about Samoa or sorry about Jay Briscoe. And they're all great. So if you want to watch anything on this show, please I, I do encourage you to watch people talking about Jay Briscoe. It was very emotional. Uh, Throughout the night, I think Ian Riccoboni and Caprice Coleman, who are a fantastic announced team, I don't need to tell you that, hopefully you already know that, did a really wonderful job walking the tightrope of, you know, their their friend had just died, and uh, paying tribute to him, and being emotional, but also, like, calling a professional wrestling show, and that's gotta be so hard, man. That's just gotta be really difficult, and to be able to do that is just really impressive, you know, and... I thought they both did just a wonderful job, just really knocked it out of the park, those two. Um, frankly, you know, I, I love Excalibur's work. I think he and Taz have great chemistry. I think the three-man booth and 9 is great, but Joe Lanza announced that, uh, you know, they did the uh, flagship awards, I think that's what they're calling it, and best announced team. They gave it to Ian and Caprice, and I can't disagree. I mean, I can't really argue with that too much. I think that... They work really well together. They have fantastic chemistry. They play off each other so well. And they're just really thoughtful and damn good announcers. They're just damn good announcers. And they really add to everything on the show. Um, and that's great. They do great work. Uh, go over the results on the show real quick. Qu- <laughs> real quick. Um, this was from last Friday, I think, is when they released it. If I'm doing math right, I actually don't think I am. Uh, 26th, that would be Thursday. Shame on me. Uh, Wheeler Yuta defended the Ring of Honor Pure title against Tagane Shino uh, in a very solid match. Uh, I gave this 3.5 stars. Shino, I frankly had not heard of him before this past month, uh, but he's very good. Um, you know, Definitely worth uh, checking that one out. Uh, very solid match. Uh, let's see, uh, next was Marina Shafir squashing, squashing, uh, Mighty Myra. This was not really that good. Uh, and honestly, I can't blame Shafir for it. Uh, Myra just looked kind of off on this night. I hadn't seen her before. Uh, that was like a half-star squash, you know, fine. Eddie Kingston, QT Marshall had a, what I I consider a fun house show match, two and three-quarter stars. A uh, very fun series where uh, QT goes to the outside. Kingston has the fans hold him, chops him. QT reverses, but the fans refuse to hold Kingston. Uh, that was that was fun. QT is just really great in this role he has. And I love Kingston. So, you know, the fun match, hardly essential, but, you know, if you don't have anything else to put on. Athena, Madison Reign. This is got to be the best Madison Reign match I may have ever seen. Um, they work stiff. Uh, Athena's really, I mean, it, since this heel turn, she's been really fantastic in the ring. And, uh, this was a lot of fun. Three stars. Uh, Brandon Cutler and Juice Robinson. This was a comedy match. Uh, and Brandon Cutler was the star of it, which is very unusual for a match where he's pitted against, uh, Juice Robinson, but that was the case. And, uh, He's very entertaining. Is just it's a complete goofball. Um, he hit what I would call the dab maker, um, and then did some ridiculous dancing elbow draw for a near fall. Um, there was a great spot where Juice Robinson went to do the right hand of God, but Brandon Cutler, of course, has his face mask on, so Juice threw his hand by screaming by holding it and screaming, I hit his mask, and. Very fun. Uh, Robinson ended up winning in the end. Good stuff. Uh, Three stars. Sandra Moon and Yuka Sakazaki. This was basically a squash, but Sakazaki's good. Um, Moon looked fine. I don't have strong thoughts on her after this match, but Sakazaki got all her big offense in, and it was cool. Fun enough. One and three quarter stars. Just not something to get out of your way for and then finally in the main event it was Christopher Daniels, Claudio Castagnoli this got a lot of hype I thought it was quite good but not great um, very cool moment with Claudio winning with the Jade Riller uh, but yeah it had a lot of uh, grappling early on which was entertaining um, and then some big moves down the st- I mean, as well as a structured match about what you'd expect from these two very professional workers so that was, uh, that, was that show uh, you know Again, best thing on it that I will recommend is the Testimonials to Jay Briscoe. And then Dynamite, uh, February the 1st. This was... This was a hell of a show, man, I gotta say. Um, Adam Page and John Moxley opened it up. Uh, Moxley coming out with his dad and Wheeler Yuta, his second son. Um, all respect to Shooter. Uh, these guys just beat the hell out of each other, and uh, I mean, it was, you know, they just traded these big moves for a long time, they just hit each other really hard. I mean, you know the story at this point, I would hope, uh, you know, without a 30-minute WWE-style segment of Paige got knocked out, Paige doesn't like Mox because Mox's talked shit to him about knocking him out page got his revenge a couple weeks ago and this was the third match and uh it was very interesting the finish i thought uh where after just basically dropping all these bombs on each other uh page got the buckshot larry but only for two so page put on a bulldog choke stole mox's finisher But Mox uh, was able to reverse it into a roll-up and got the pin off it. And uh, I thought Excalibur did a very good job explaining that. You know, saying that Mox, since that's his move, he knows all the counters to it. And that was was a nice touch. But frankly, I think we're going to get a fourth match, possibly at the pay-per-view, between these two. Um, And I thought they've been... Every match, I think, has gotten better, one after another, uh, from these guys. I went four and a half stars on this. I thought this was... This would have won match of the year. Like just a lot of years in the nineties, to be frank. Um at least been a high level contender, but and it's just on TV. It's amazing how wrestling has changed. Uh, but yeah, this was really fun. Uh they kept drawing after the match and I don't know if they're gonna do some kind of gimmick match to have a really decisive win because Mox did win, he won clean, he won fairly, but I don't think that's really a satisfying ending for the fans or for either character. So hopefully we'll get a little more. Uh, we had a setup for Money challenging Jamie next week for Jamie Hater's AW Women's World Championship. But surprise, Tony Storm and Soraya are beating up Britt Baker backstage. And a uh, solid segment and set up something interesting later on next match was the acclaimed squashing the outrunners the outrunners i think work ovw they were at the lexington show where they got killed by the house of black on dark elevation and they are very entertaining squash guys um uh, honestly uh if you're going to have squashes you need guys like the outrunners to be eating those pins uh they are able to do it in an entertaining fashion and uh i don't know i mean they're not body guys they're not uh they don't look like particularly great workers, but what they're good at are being charismatic nerds. that get their asses kicked. Uh, so the guns come out after the match. That was like a one-star squash. Um, guns come out. They challenge the acclaimed next week. Bowens refers to them as Rod and Todd-looking asses, which that made me laugh pretty good. Uh, and then Daddy Ass says he's sick of them arguing and everything. I, you know, I don't get the storyline. I don't get why we've kind of backtracked you know, about at this point, nine months to when they were just broke up. Um, I know that everything matters in AEW, but I thought this was kind of a settled issue, but yeah. So next week, uh, the guns, uh, his challenge, to the acclaimed was accepted by daddy ass. And so it's, uh, the acclaimed and the guns next week. Uh, there is a potential for the guns winning and Billy Gunn turning heel on the acclaimed side with his, uh, children. Um, Honestly, I think that's that would not be the right move. Um, I've started to turn around on the guns. I do see uh, how they could be a uh, an act in a major TV show in the U.S., but I think they're claimed we're too hot right now. Uh, granted, I don't think they need the belts to stay over, but I actually do think that Billy Gunn is an important part of this act, and if you take him away from them right now, I just think that's going to hurt them, and it's definitely going to hurt him. Uh, so, I don't know, it'll be interesting to watch, um, you know, there's the possibility that him turning on the gun, or I'm sorry, on the acclaim, will make him a very hated heel and help transfer that heat onto the, his sons. I don't know, man, I just, I don't know if that's, uh, going to work or not. It might be the wrong kind of heat, but we'll see. Ugh, Jack Perry had a promo, blah blah blah. Uh, Brian Cage, Konosuke Takeshita. Uh, Look, Cage is not like some five-star worker, and he gets some slack from people, including from uh, some members of Voices of Wrestling. I am going to defend Brian Cage. I think Brian Cage is good at one-style match, and uh, frankly, that's okay. You know, you can complain about him only having the one-style match all you want if you want to. Honestly, I'd rather have you be good at one-style match than none. I don't think there's really any need for Brian Cage to be asked to work a 30 minute, uh, you know, style main event and uh, main event in the style of New Dominion or something new for New Japan. He's what he is. He's a big muscled guy that's going to just do some flips for no real reason. He's going to do some high spots, and they're going to look pretty damn cool. I think the criticism of his, you know movement to move, you know, move to move, uh, is a little overblown, but we ain't exactly talking about Brian Daniels in here or Brett Hart or, you know, you know, Okada put in your all time great worker here, but I like him for what he is. Uh, he, he does cool stuff. I think he lays in his strikes well. Uh, He does some cool power moves, like there was a big suplex back into the ring on Takeshita about right before the commercial break, if I recall correctly. Uh, And he's able to sell well enough. He gets, you know, I think he's a solid mid-card guy, and there's nothing wrong with that. But Takeshita looked like a superstar here. He ended up getting his first major win in AEW. I do have minor qualms with this in that I think... Takeshita's first TV win in AEW should have been against a really major star. I think that would have had a much better impact. I think that would have helped really elevate him. Because it felt like Takeshita just should have won against Brian Cage. Uh, you know, if you were to do a uh, a tier list of where AEW talent is by push, which obviously would never cause any drama whatsoever, I think Takeshita would be above Brian Cage, even though Takeshita had not previously had a TV win to my recollection. If he did, it was like a squash of some sort. This, I would have, I mean, I have no problem with him beating Cage, and I probably would have done that as like his second big TV win. But, you know, I just feel like it's a little out of order. They uh, have a promo with the Jericho Appreciation Society with Renee Young. That sets up the Garcia Guevara gauntlet and a very nice touch. Guevara tried to, He actually called it the Guevara Garcia Gauntlet first, then paused and thought and called it the Garcia Guevara Gauntlet. The interplay between Garcia and Guevara is delightful. Um, Two of the best young stars in wrestling right now. I don't know if I can even call Sammy Guevara young anymore. Uh, Is he 30 yet? I think he is. That's still young. He is 29. If you're in your 20s, I'll call you young in wrestling at least. But yeah, those two are great together. Uh, So, basically, next week, Ricky Starks will be doing a gauntlet match. He'll be facing Cool Hand Ainge, Daddy Magic, and then one of Garcia or Guevara, and then he would face Jericho, I assume, at a later date, probably the pay-per-view. But the way they said it, it's not out of the realm of possibility that it would be right after. I don't think it will be, though. The Elite do a pre-tape on the basketball court at uh, Dayton's local university, Uh, They challenge Top Flight, but they're interrupted by Stokely, Ethan Page, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy in the Geek Squad. Um, And so they're going to do a match on Rampage. Fairly entertaining segment. At some point, Don Callis mentions NFTs and Excalibur drops the line. Don Callis is so lame, he thinks NFTs are still a thing. Good line. Brian Danielson and Timothy Thatcher. I have literally two lines of notes on this. This was just a bunch of really good technical work. Um, and honestly it was all just very good enjoyable Uh, towards the end there was a ref bump so they do the mjf is coming out with his big old ring he's gonna punch brian danielson so that he doesn't have to face him at the pay-per-view but who should jump out of the crowd but a hoodie wearing konosuke Takeshta, who cuts him off whoops his ass a little bit and they run backstage uh and then shortly after the ref recovers and danielson gets an opening to hit the busaiku knee He sold a lot in this match. Gave Timothy Thatcher a lot. Danielson is such a wonderful sell guy. Um, This was a very good match. Four stars. Uh, Low level of excellent. Backstage brawl continues. And uh, while they're held apart, Renee Young just waltzes in. uh, Touches her earpiece. And says that she has been told by Tony Khan that next week they're going to be in a title eliminator match. And MJF, of course, given what he does well, does a little freak out. Uh, Immediately after this is a segment with Lexi Nair interviewing Roosh. And um, MJF comes in with a briefcase full of cash, gives it to Jose, the assistant. Tells Mr. Assistant that uh, if they win next week, if they beat Danielson, he'll get five more of those briefcases full of cash. Uh, Roosh kind of does a challenge for the title which Jose recli- declines to translate. Um, MJF asked what Roosh said, and Jose said, it's a deal, and MJF goes, sounds like he said a little more than that, which was, I thought was funny. Uh, they kind of had a continuity error here, though, going on right on the IMDB uh, Goofs page and putting this one in. Uh, MJF was previously wearing in that brawl, and when he came out to the ring, his uh, I'm better than you a button-up shirt, but for this he was wearing uh, a different shirt. Gasp. next up was jade cargill and red velvet and i liked this match um jade cargill is the women's division version of brian cage she should just have matches where she does cool shit and then sells and frankly i thought she her selling was very good in this match i was impressed by it um very good by jade cargill standards and frankly good enough to make this a good match Red Velvet, I thought was fine. I was not impressed with her when I saw her in person. I know what Red Velvet is as a worker. I just don't know if she's got it. She's got some charisma, I think, but in-ring, I just don't know if she has enough yet. Frankly, I'd send her off to Joshi Promotion. She's another one that would benefit from that. Uh, but there was just a bunch of cool stuff in this. I really, you know, Red Velvet did have some good fire early on. I will give her credit for that. But Jade sold really well. Uh, I mean, Jade did a really cool catch on Red Velvet and did a big German suplex. Uh, Did some wild ass hip toss out of the corner that looked like a massive thing. Um, Jade did a ridiculous spot where she held uh, Red Velvet over her head in the press slam position, carried her up the steps to the ring, and then threw her in. And that was cool as hell. Uh, But Jade did an awesome pump kick. um, And then she stood up with uh, Red Velvet in an armbar, And did a uh, basically whole transition sequence into the Jaded for three. And I like this pretty damn well. Three and a half stars for me. I know some other people didn't like it. I don't know. I just thought that on this night, Jade Cargill looked very good. We'll see how that works going forward. But I thought she was a better worker than Red Velvet here. So there was that. They built entering next, where Britt was with the doctor, but Ruby Soho walked in to check on Britt. Britt refers to Soraya and Tony Storm as being Ruby's girls since they've known each other a lot longer. But yes, Britt Baker is good. So nice of her to keep her uh, kind of heelish persona going uh, while continuing to be placed as the hometown babyface against the invaders. Uh, I thought this was a decent segment and I think the storyline's going pretty well now and then the main event which was a hell of a match Samoa Joe and Darby Allen and when Darby Allen came out in a hoodie with thumbtacks sticking out of it good god you knew that some crazy stuff was going to happen Darby Allen did not disappoint I know there's some I mean frankly I am too there's some concern about how hard Darby Allen bumps I can't complain about that at all. Guy just tries to kill himself. It is ridiculous. Um, But, my God, he is a fantastic performer. He is a -a one-of-a-kind performer. And thank God AEW is around because WWE would not get him. They would not know what to do with him, even though it's really obvious and AW he can be Darby Allen, and he can be a really good Darby Allen. And he's just fantastic at it. Um you know, doing the starting off with Coffin Splash with the hoodie and the thumbtacks was crazy. Um Samojo is like just really good at little small things like wrapping a towel around his hand so he can do a big clothesline on the thumbtack in case Darby. Um and they dumped the gimmick quick, and then they went back to it at the end. And, I mean, it's Samojo's matches are always structured so well. And I don't want to, like, say that's entirely him over Darby or anything, but it's something that I consistently see with Joe, regardless of the phase of his career, um, but especially in AEW. Um, he's not what he once was, but he definitely maximizes what he is. Um, Darby Allen, just, <sighs> my God, it's like he has a death wish. Um, he just bumped everywhere for Samoa Joe. Um, he took a—I mean—he took a ridiculous back suplex bump on the backs of two chairs put together, um, which, frankly, in any other match, would have been sold like absolute death. And I'm not even sure that's the third worst bump he took here. Uh, he took a crazy bump over the barricade. Um, just gets dropped on the steps. I mean. Darby Allen you can never say that he doesn't try and Joe had his working boots on he was trying here and um this was a damn good match there were some complaints that he took too long to cut off the cut Kansas off the fra- frame of the ring darby Allen did uh I think that um I don't I, it didn't bother me I thought that it was fast enough um he did nearly screw it up when he kind of rushed himself but honestly it worked out okay. Uh, you know, I, I go back to the Cody Rhodes getting weighed in by Paul White segment, where Paul White really struggled with the mechanical scale. And uh, this was not anywhere near that, so it didn't bother me at all. But hey, your mileage may vary. Uh, but I thought this was a damn good match. Four and a half stars. Um, J- Samoa Joe took the win with a muscle bu- super muscle buster off the corner onto the exposed wood of the ring. Just ridiculous stuff. Um, Wardlow comes out, punches Joe. Joe runs away. There's all the security in the ring, which you know what that means. Wardlow just commits 87 murders. He's about to powerbomb a guy, but the TV cuts off right before he can. And frankly, I love that. Uh, I think every once in a while having your show go off the air in absolute chaos uh, is very intriguing. I think it's a nice touch. And uh, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, a great show, fantastic show. The fact that you got all these matches of this level on this on free TV—I know cable, but whatever—it's free TV, not a pay-per-view show, but just a weekly TV show. AW Dynamite is unlike any other American wrestling TV show that has ever existed, and I mean that in the best possible way. We're really lucky to have it. And I hope you're enjoying it while it's at its peak. I was going to give some more Tyler Fornis updates, but, man, nothing in two hours. He has not had a tweet. Maybe he's replied to someone. No. Never mind. Although, apparently, he talked about someone saying that it being 60 degrees is cold. And, uh, that's a crazy take. As someone where it is currently 25 but you know hey i guess if you're not used to it you know it's a rough rough spot oh it's all the way up to 30 everyone living in luxury here so i asked for some questions and i got a couple here some that I was not smart enough to paste into my show notes because I am big brain genius. Let's see. Kyrie Irving's requesting a trade. Who could have foreseen this series of events? God bless. So I got a couple questions here from my lovely listeners. I don't believe any of them are from Turkey, but you're all number one in my heart as my laptop fan tries to take off to go to the sky this, uh, the questions from my readers listeners <laughs> readers if you listen to the Shutdown cast, you realize I just kind of accidentally referenced it First question is for from Brandon. He asks, "Will Sammy and Owens finally form a tag team and win the titles from the Usos?" Well, it's not the right company, friend, but I'll talk about it anyway. Uh, you know, the Sammy Zayn storyline is working fantastically for WWE. I am not a fan, really. Of how WWE does their shows, basically. I've talked about it before. I've written about it on my Patreon. Five bucks a month and you get all the Fred you can handle. Except for when I'm too busy with shoot work. Um, but yeah, like... I, uh, you know... I am convinced that... WrestleMania will not be ending with Sami Zayn holding the world championship. And frankly, it's kind of interesting to me that Brandon doesn't even ask about the singles championship. He asks about the tag team. Um, And honestly, I think that's smart because I do not think that uh, we'll be seeing Sami Zayn walking away with a world championship at WrestleMania. The storyline's gone way farther than I think anyone could have expected. It's gone way better than anyone could have expected. And, uh, I mean, Sami Zayn's a great performer. Uh, You shouldn't be surprised by him getting over, because if you're good, you get over. That's how wrestling typically works. But, you know, it's pretty clear that they have a couple paths here. The first one is Sami Zayn wins the World Championship, which would be a fantastic moment. It'd probably rival for people invested in WWE of Daniel Bryan winning at Mania 30. But I, as the bearer of bad news, have to remind everyone of the aftermath of WrestleMania 30, where Bryan Danielson, or I'm sorry, Daniel Bryan at the time, was booked against Movie Monster Kane, who Kane was never exactly Mr. Workrate, but at that point in his career, he was very far from being good in the ring. So... And it was an awful month long feud where uh, Brian looked like a geek the entire time. It went completely against what the crowd wanted to see. Uh, I think Brian won at the pay per view in a pretty disappointing uh, plunder match. And then uh, he announced his neck injury, and that was the end of his reign. But frankly, I don't think he would have held the title for more than a couple more months, and it probably would have been a very disappointing reign. And I think that's what Sami Zayn would face if he becomes the world champion it'd be a great moment and then it'd probably get a really subpar follow up because he is not what WWE wants to put on top of their show. I think they would rather have Kofi Kingston in that spot, top spot. I think they'd rather have uh, Kevin Owens in that top spot. But Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens are both kind of misfits in the WWE world. They aren't the prototypical thing and even though they're popular and successful, There's like a cap on where they will go in that company and they will never be Roman Reigns. They'll never be Brock Lesnar. They'll never even be Cody Rhodes. And that's okay. But I just think that... uh, It's a shame that we probably would not get what the fans would really want, which would be a Sami Zayn World Championship run uh, value. But hey, uh, as far as winning the tag team, I think that probably will be what will happen at WrestleMania. Those two will either main or semi-main, one of the nights of WrestleMania, and they will beat the Usos. We'll probably see Jay turn on Sammy in Montreal. Do you remember it? Keep in mind that their next show will be at Montreal, and my God, WWE loves calling back to the Montreal Screwjob. It's been 26 years, I think, and they're still doing it. They probably will do it again, and they probably always will. So that's my answer. I think they could, uh, but I mean, I don't know that it really matters in a year. I think, uh, they'll all be about where they are right now. And I think that's, uh, at least in terms of the internal booking list. And that's a shame because I think Sammy and Owens are way better than where they're slotted. Uh, Ryan asks, are we going to see Miro again? And if so, uh, what? How would I like to see him programmed? Well, reportedly, he was asked to come in and basically put over. Uh, oh, Ethan Page was in the Eliminator tournament and lost, and he was asked to basically be where Ethan Page was. And the reports are, Miro said, "No, thank you." And that was uh that was to set up uh, Ricky Starks eventually facing and losing to. MJF on Dynamite back in uh, was that New Orleans no Garland Texas sorry um, and I, I think he was supposed to put over Ricky Starks in that tournament final instead of Ethan Page but you know I, I like Miro a lot I think there's a few reasons he's not on TV one he uh, doesn't want to be He's apparently requested to not be put on that slot, and to me, that kind of makes me wonder if Miro looks at AW as kind of like people did at Impact back in the the mid to late aughts. Some workers looked at it as uh, almost embarrassing to be in, and you can put some jokes about what TNA was doing at the time, but guys like Booker T and Rob Van Dam showed up and got an easy paycheck, and really underperformed. Now, I don't think you can complain about the performances Miro has put on when he's been on TV. But I do think it's not really positive if he is going out there and saying that or acting like AEW is beneath him. And we saw some of that, I think, with Andrade. Where you got these guys convinced that WWE is the only big company in the world right now. Uh, Despite all the evidence pointing otherwise, I think AEW definitely qualifies as a big company right now. Um, they're at least comparable to what WCW was. And I think they're bigger than impact slash TNA ever was. Uh, so I don't know. It's very disappointing that that's a, uh, that's a issue. I wish we got Miro regularly. I wish that he was being put in feuds and being used a lot more, but here we are 2023 and no Miro. I don't know when he'll come back. Honestly, if you told me, if you came in a time machine and told me that we'll never see Miro on AEW TV again and his contract will expire and he'll either go back to WWE or just pursue acting or something else, I wouldn't be terribly surprised. It wouldn't be the craziest thing I've ever heard. Uh, He is getting up there. He's 38. He may decide that he's put enough uh, mileage on his body and want to do some other stuff. And I don't know. I mean, if you'd asked me 15 years ago, I never would have predicted that Dave Batista would have been a actually great actor, which he is. Um, best actor. You know, AV Club just had an article up today that it's time to talk about how he's actually the best acting wrestler, and I don't see how there's an argument against that. Uh, because, you know, Rock is uh, Dwayne Johnson, Not really a good actor. He's a movie star. He's not an actor. And he never really took the chance to try to become an actor. And I think that we could have had some really... uh, I mean, if we had, like, a different path of Dwayne Johnson, you know, going down more serious acting and doing stuff like, you know, ending up in a a Knives Out movie, that could have been really damn good. Uh, John Cena... You know, has some skills too. I'm not gonna diss him, but yeah, I think Dave Batista is actually doing much more as an actor, and that's damn cool. Um, so there you go. Um, I wish we got Miro, but hey, you know, I haven't seen a uh, passive aggressive comment from him or Lana uh, regarding. WWE being the bigger company and everything, so... Yeah, just something to think about there. Okay. Next up, Andrew. My good friend Andrew has a couple questions. Yes, first of all, you think there's any chance Punk comes back to AEW and works with the Elite? Never say never in wrestling. Uh, I think that's the thing we... Learned, um... Bruno Sammartino eventually went back to WWE. Bret Hart eventually went back to WWE. Those are the... I mean, I thought those two would never happen. Um, and granted, it took a long time for both of them to happen. Both of them had in... You know, were well past wrestling, even though Bret kind of did matches. But let's not talk about those. Uh, they were... They were angles f- structured within matches to keep him from wrestling. Um, honestly, right now, uh... I don't think it's very likely at all. Um, I don't know that he'll be back this year or next, but if AEW is still around and it's twenty thirty three, never say never. Uh, I you know honestly the only thing I'd put on that level of how I perceive the Bruno WWE and Brett WWE things, um, and Ultimate Warrior WWE was it would be in New Japan right now. It just feels like there's zero chance of that being worked out. But, you know, it's wrestling, you know, and money talks and BS walks. And finally, Andrew asks, would you like to see a women's blood and guts match with the AEW Originals versus the former WWE stars? So let's line this up. Let's do, it's almost fantasy booking, but it's not. But so I assume we'll be seeing a team of Soraya and Tony Storm. Um, Now you'd have to get up to four, at least, if not five. And I don't know that... You could toss in the Bunny and Penelope Ford uh, as the stalwarts of the women's deathmatch division. And I mean, I guess if you wanted to make it five, you could have Ruby Soho jump over there you have Sheeta be a heel. Though frankly, it doesn't feel right. I don't think she's going to be a heel. And then on the other side, you've got uh, Britt Baker. You got Jamie Hader. Then you could have Ruby Soho and Willow Nightingale or Sheeta, or you know, that's you know, that's a pretty open slot there. Uh, a couple good options there. I think the match could deliver. Um, AEW Women's matches when it's got into like the aggressive plunder, you know, the the bloody matches they have well over delivered i don't think that penelope ford or the bunny are classically good workers i think they're they're pretty good they're like average probably is where i'd put them you know like a c plus in the ring but they are willing to do the hardcore matches and they aren't messing around with it um willow nightingale I mean, there's a lot of talent in that match, frankly. I think Soraya might actually be the worst worker of all of them. Can Soraya talk her way into helping make that match good? Uh, Maybe as a heel. You know, I think she's been basically a disappointment since she's coming to AEW. She really blew her first big promo. Uh, She had the opportunity to establish herself as a big baby face and she just I think she really blew it uh just gave the wrong promo at the wrong time she was rusty she didn't look like she was ready and when she was Paige she was kind of charismatic but I don't really recall her being a uh, high level promo or anything so that didn't work well (laughs) um her first month or so in AEW i think that she is naturally a heel with the company at least for now at least for the next while can't say she can never be a baby face again but i think she uh she can fit into this pretty well i think tony storm is doing really well to help uh you know lift her up in the ring and honestly with personality as well tony storm's just a great all-around worker And I think, uh, you know, it could work. I think that match could, you know, that's intriguing. Um, If the feud leads to it, if they keep going down that path, I could see it fitting in very nicely. Uh, As a match, as that that feud going into the uh, Blood and Guts. And, uh, yeah, I'd watch it, you know. Will it be as good as last year's uh, JSBCC? EK, PNP, all these initials. is uh, that match well? Maybe. Probably not, frankly. But I think it'd still be a good match. All right, what's next for AEW? Uh, on Rampage tonight, we've got the Elite against Ethan Page, Isaiah Cassidy, and Matthew Hardy. Um, that match will be probably pretty solid. But not great because uh, I don't know unless they really get elevated. If the elite really have their working shoes on, that could be a great match. But you know, we'll see. Uh, you got Brian Pillman Jr. against Swerve Strickland in a probably a pretty shorter match that Swerve will win. You got Soraya and Tony Storm squashing a couple jobbers. If you care deeply about finding out who they are wrestling, skip this next part here because I am going to reveal it. Gasp! Who could it possibly be? pause for effect pause for effect pause for effect As the renegade wins. uh wow and then Christopher daniels against roosh which will be perfectly solid at a minimum next week on dynamite we have a lot announced already actually pretty much the entire show we'll probably get a shorter squash of some sort but you got jamie hater against the bunny you got mjf against keshta You got the Acclaim and the Guns for the tag titles. You got Brian Danielson and Roush, and you've got the Garcia Guevara gauntlet. Uh, That is going to be the big parts of the show. Um, It should be a good one. Uh, As far as my backlog, I did not get to watch much wrestling in January. It's a shame. I still have everything but Kenny Omega, Will Ospreay from the Wrestle Kingdom to watch. I am well behind. Um, But earlier this morning, I did get to watch Rocky Romero versus Volador Jr. from the... January 20th show in CMLL, and that was just a great match. I went four and a half stars on it. Just two very, very professional wrestlers putting on a very solid match. Worth your time. I also got to watch uh, from Action Wrestling down south. I got to see Adam Priest challenge Anthony Henry for the Action Championship in a no DQ, no ropes match. This got a little plundery, but not in a bad way. Uh, there are some crazy spots in this and these guys busted their asses in a small building for a devoted, but rather small crowd of maybe a hundred people. Um, and this was a really good match of four and a quarter stars. I'll recommend that one as well. If you're really digging for some more stuff to watch, uh, there is also, I'm going to recommend it and I did not expect to do so, but I actually liked the Billy Stark's match against Bobby Flacco on the undercard. Uh, the best of everything I've seen. I have heard good things, I think, about the semi-main on that show with the tag team championship. Um, yeah, the semi-main is what I've seen recommended. I did not watch that. But I will say the opening tag match was uh, perfectly solid, man. It was a good three-star match with uh, Ashton Starr, Rico Gonzalez against Jaden Newman and Noah Hospin. Jaden Newman's very good. I like Ashton Starr, too. Um, And uh, that was a three-star match. I also got to see AC Mack against Shug D. I think both those guys are talented, but they did kind of a lame DQ finish on this one. And, uh, you know, just kind of ruined it. Flat finish. It sucks. But what can you do? It was uh, respectable. So there you go. Uh, that is what I've watched recently. Uh, I've been watching some movies with a wife. Um, trying to get through the AFI 100 movies list. We're about 10 away, I think. Um, have I made any progress on that recently? I want to do some movie plugs. Uh, I did watch uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is last night, which is about as unprofessional wrestling as you can get but that is a wonderful film if you like film it's french and it is really a masterpiece um can't say enough good things about that one i also watched reds 1981 directed by and starring warren beatty and diane keaton uh it's on the afi top 100 romances um and number 1,000 on They Shoot Pictures, 1,000 Greatest Films as of right now, I think. Um, that that was a great movie and probably of that rank a little underrated. Uh, but it's also over three hours long, so, you know, to will go into that one lightly. Uh, yeah, but, you know, just been doing all right. Nothing particularly interesting. I'm going to throw it over to Tyler's Twitter one more time and let's see if we've got any good stuff here. That's the wrong Twitter account. Tyler, Tyler Tyler. Where have you gone? Nope, nothing new from him. Boring. Man, I can't even get good stuff from him when he's not on the show. All right. That's the that's the show this week. This is my first time using Audacity. We'll find out if I just lost a hour 20 minutes long. Audio file, and we'll just spend the rest of my life in the fetal position. I'm gonna try to put a, a wonderful theme song directly in front of this. That's by Joseph McDade. It's called Natural Duality. If you ever feel like uh, listening to 15 seconds of a song that feels like straight out of Fire Pro Wrestling, there you go. Uh, you got feedback, questions, etc. You can email us, hungipod at gmail.com. That's H-U-N-G-E-E. On Twitter, the hell site that I haven't checked in a while. We're at Good Bad Hungy again, H U N G E E. I got notifications on there, but it's nothing meaningful. So, oh well. We've got Tyler's Twitter. I keep talking about it because I it's like a phantom limb. But he's at the real for now. If you want to learn about football, he's the guy to go to. I'm on Twitter at FlagrantRasslin, R-A-W-S-L-I-N. we are also got a channel on the Voices of Wrestling Discord server, where you can pop in there and talk about AEW or other stuff in other channels. Uh, if you could please, please subscribe to our individual feed on your podcast catcher of choice, whether that be Apple, Spotify, etc., Uh, rate and review us on whatever platform you're using and uh, if you could also just tell your friends about this very good podcast about AEW hopefully this show didn't suck you know I did my best frankly as I did it I didn't feel a crippling amount of shame so I'll take that no complaints on that if I can avoid that it's a good day I hope you all have a wonderful week Tyler should be back next week if he's your favorite part of the show that's good news for you And I will talk to you soon. Have a good week, everyone.